Thank you. Well, we are continuing our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And today we're focusing on give us this day our daily bread. And this is a bit of a, a pivot point in the prayer. Because up till now, we've really been focused on who God is and what he's like. And so knowing that, we're now going to transition into making requests and petitions for him. But we need to know who he is before we can do that. So let's look back and let's remember the things that we've learned about the Lord through the first, what is it, three, four verses. Uh, so first week, we talked about our father. And so we learned that God is a father. He's a good father. He's our dad. That's how he wants us to come to him and approach him. That he's in charge of a, a much bigger thing than just us. That we're all connected, whether we like it or not. And then we, uh, so what do we go? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so Phil brought us this word, and he taught that God is holy. He's a holy and righteous God, that, that he's the name above every name, the, the name above every situation or circumstance. And then last week, Aunt shared with us on thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what does that tell us about the Lord? Well, it tells us he's a king because you can't have a kingdom if you're not a king. Uh, there's an element of sovereignty here um, that he knows best. He knows better than me because it's his will, not mine, be done. So he must be wise um, and discerning. On earth as it is in heaven, so, so this isn't a stagnant kingdom, there's a movement here. That actually he's an ever-progressing king in an ever-progressing kingdom. And so these are just some of the things we now know about God from this prayer. And so from that foundation and that platform, we're now going to pivot into these requests and, and what those things mean for us in our lives, in our, our day-to-day. And so we come to the verse, give us this day our daily bread. And it's a bit of an old school expression. Uh, we, don't, we don't really use this idea of daily bread that much anymore. Um, in fact, this might be really the only time you come across that phrase. But remember, Jesus is teaching a Jewish audience this prayer. And a Jewish audience would have understood this idea of daily bread way differently than we do. Firstly, because they baked bread every day. And unless you have come out of lockdown, like smashing the sourdough game, you probably don't bake bread every day. But they did. And actually, ancient Israel was um, like a, a grains and cereals-based culture. So bread was their main food source. In fact, the Hebrew word for bread is used simultaneously or um, interchangeably with the word for, bread, for food uh, and even sustenance. So they understood the importance of bread and the importance of daily bread way more than, than we do and, and what it meant for their actual day-to-day -day lives. The second thing a Jewish audience would have picked up on that we can sometimes miss is the daily bread reference to the original daily bread. Because this idea of daily bread actually started 
way back in the wilderness with the ancient Israelites. And a Jewish audience would have remembered this. So we're going to read it from Exodus 16, but to give you a bit of background on it, um, this is when ancient Israel was enslaved in Egypt, and God sent Moses to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. Pharaoh said no. Uh, A bunch of plagues happened. Eventually, Pharaoh says yes, and the Israelites are freed, and so they come out of Egypt, the the Red Sea parts, and they're on their way to the promised land, and it all seems really lovely and wonderful. And you would think, with all those miracles, the Israelites would have really trusted the Lord, right? Not exactly. They, like us, struggled to trust God in the wilderness, And so there was a lot of complaining and grumbling in the wilderness. So much so, in fact, that they started to say things like, we should go back to Egypt. That actually it was better when we were enslaved than it is for us to die here in the wilderness of starvation. And so the story in Exodus 16 is God's response to that. So Exodus 16, uh, verses 14 to 20. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So every day for 40 years, this happens. They wake up and they go outside their tent, and there's this miraculous bread on the ground, what what becomes known as manna. And there's a few key things to note about this manna, besides the fact that it's like a crazy supernatural miracle. So the first thing is that there's always enough. It didn't matter how much you gathered, you had your omer. You had exactly what you needed. So if you went out and gathered loads, didn't matter, you got your omer. If you didn't gather enough, you still have your omer. There was enough for everyone because there's always enough with God. Always. There's enough for you. I was a support-raised missionary for about 10 years, which means that for the better part of a decade, my entire paycheck was based on the Lord providing it. And there was a moment a few years into this uh, where I was in London, and I had like three or four weeks left before I was going back to the States. And I had nothing, like like actually nothing. I had no money left. And it it was getting pretty desperate, actually. And I remember talking to the Lord, trying to figure out how how I was going to do this, how I was going to survive. 
and chatting with him and saying, okay, well, if I don't take the tube anywhere, if I walk everywhere for the next four weeks, and if I only eat bread and hummus, and I fast on the weekends, and I, I just stay on my friend's floor, that would probably, and just trying to work this all out in my own strength and with my own logic. And the Lord spoke in that moment, and he promised me. He's, it was so clear. He said, there is always enough. Sometimes enough looks like abundance. Sometimes enough is 20p. But there is always enough. And it, it, it's become a real defining moment of my life and my faith in Jesus. And it's true. There's always enough. Sometimes enough is seasons of abundance. The the seasons of promotion and answered prayers and, and promises and overflow. Sometimes enough looks like the exact amount you need, down to the penny. But both are enough, because there's always enough with the Lord. The second thing to note about this miraculous daily bread from heaven is that if they held on to it, so if, you know, they tried to be real sneaky and, like, take some and hide it under their pillow for tomorrow, it would rot and get infested with worms. No, no. mm. But this is because it's daily bread, not weekly, not monthly, not annual bread. It's daily bread because the Lord had something for them every single day. Yesterday's bread is no good. Yesterday's bread has gone rotten. Yesterday's provision, yesterday's encounter with the Lord, yesterday's word from God, no matter how good it might be, it might be rotten for today. Because he has something for you today. Every single day, he has something for you. When was the last time you went and just sat with him, just you and him, and you shared your heart, no matter how messy it might be, no matter how full of doubts it might be, and you just shared your need with him and let him respond to that need, let him be the answer for that need. Was it yesterday? Was it last week? Last year? He has daily bread for us. He wants us to come to him every single day. Jesus is inviting us to come to him every single day. And this is a physical and a spiritual principle because, you know, if you think about manna, it was physically feeding them. It was taking care of their stomachs. Uh, But it also was spiritually feeding them. It was feeding their faith. And so every single morning... They were growing those faith muscles. They were trusting and depending on God. And and both are important. And I just, I think we need to talk about the physical for a moment. Because we tend to downplay the physical needs. We tend to downplay what the body actually requires. We we sometimes... um, like over-spiritualize things, or we say that the, the soul or the spirit are somehow superior to the body. And that's, that's just not entirely biblical. 
Because Jesus is a holistic God. He made you mind, spirit, and body. He actually made your body. He knows about it. He, he thinks it's great. He cares about it. You are, are fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in your mother's womb. If he didn't care about your, your physical needs and, and the physicalness of you, he, he wouldn't make physical healings a thing. That wouldn't exist. He wouldn't have come as an incarnate God, a God who has flesh and blood and, and bone and body. He wouldn't have made chocolate taste so nice because he wouldn't have cared about your taste buds. But he does care about your taste buds. He cares about all of it. He cares about this physical thing he's given us. He calls it holy and good and beautiful and sacred to him. That it can be used to worship and glorify him. Jesus. And we, we miss this and it, it leads to some just wonky thinking. And even some sin issues. I think it leads to sexual immorality and pornography addiction and masturbation. I think it, it leads to self-esteem issues and body shame and eating disorders. I think, I think it even contributes to the sins of, of racism and ableism. Because if... Think about this. If we can't recognize that the body is holy, that God has designed it, and that he's designed everybody, not just mine, but, but even the ones who look different than me, I'm never going to respect those bodies. I'm never going to honor these bodies, mine or other people, when actually Jesus cares very much about what you do to and with your body and what you do to and with other bodies. This is important to him. He has something to say about your physical stuff but what you're doing physically. There's, um, there's this really funny story in the Bible about the prophet Elijah, and uh, he's fleeing and he's complaining to God, and, and, uh, and God says to him, go to sleep and eat something. That's, that's God's great wisdom for Elijah in, in all of his turmoil. He says, take a nap and eat something. And he does, and God puts him to sleep, he, get, he gives him some food, and all of a sudden, Elijah's feeling a little bit better. Because sometimes, all you need is a nap and a snack. And we can, we can make light of that, we can joke about that, but that's a real word. <laughs> that is a word for some of y'all, because some of y'all are not taking care of this beautiful thing he's giving you. And maybe he actually, today, you what Jesus is asking is, do you need some water? Are you dehydrated? When was the last time you, you went outside and saw the sun? When was, when was the last time you had seven to nine hours of sleep? Or, you know, do, do you need to eat some protein? Like, these very basic things that actually Jesus very much cares about. I went on a bit of a rant there, but basically, you are a physical body, and God is not surprised by that. He's not surprised about the needs your physical body has, uh, and actually, he wants to meet those needs. 
I have seen him so many times in my life come through for me in my physical needs. And, and maybe you have some testimonies of this as well in your life. But, you know, I did, a, I did this ministry trip um, based off Luke 10, which is when Jesus sends out the 72 and says, don't take anything with you. And so um, there was like five or six of us, and we piled into this old minivan called Ruby. And, uh, and we took one rucksack each, and we signed something that said we wouldn't use our own cash or our own credit cards or anything like that. And off we went, just believing that God was going to provide. And so when we didn't have enough to eat, we fasted. And when Ruby broke down, we got out and we looked around and we said, okay, who needs the gospel here? Where does the kingdom need to come in this space? Pretty much every morning of those three months, I woke up having no idea where I was going to sleep, what I was going to have for breakfast, if I was going to have breakfast, no idea what the day was going to look like. And every single day, the Lord met those practicalities. Every single day. And as he did, as he provided literally our daily bread, my trust and my faith and my reliance on him grew, and my reliance and dependence on myself diminished. Because we often have this thing in in, uh, the Western mindset of self-sufficiency, this belief that actually... We don't really need anyone. We, we can do it on our own. We don't really need God. We don't really need other people. I can make something of myself. I can work hard enough to, or clean myself up enough to, to take care of myself. No, you can't. And believing that, the thinking that way... You just miss out on everything that Jesus is. You miss out on, on all those truths that we learned about in the, those first verses of the Lord's Prayer. That he is a good father who loves to give good gifts. That, that he is holy and, and the name above every single situation and circumstance. That he is an ever-progressing king in this ever-progressing kingdom. You miss out on that. Because actually it's his job to be those things, not mine. And he's really good at his job. Even when I don't like the way he's doing his job, even when I think he's taking too long, even when I think I have a better plan, he's still better at that job. He's a way better king than I am. St. Francis of Assisi was a 13th century Italian monk, and he took a vow of poverty, which in and of itself is not, like, super unique for 13th century monks, but his reasoning for doing it was a little bit unique, because up till now, the the monk tradition was that you would take a vow of poverty uh, as a vow of self-sacrifice and uh, and charity and giving giving to the needy. And um, and St. Francis agreed with that, but he also added something to it. He declared and, and said in, in front of everyone that actually he trusted that Jesus was the source of everything. 
and that he was going to stake his life on it. So this vow of poverty was actually him recognizing and acknowledging that only Jesus is the source of everything good, whether that's practical good like food and clothing or spiritual good, the the deep longings of our heart. He recognized that that Jesus is the source of it all. He's, He's the source of salvation, of hope, of joy, of freedom, of of your very breath. St. Francis recognized that Jesus doesn't just give us daily bread, but he is, in fact, the daily bread. He is the living bread, and we can stake our lives on it just like St. Francis. Because Jesus actually tells us this in the book of John. So John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then skipping down to verse 48, this is still Jesus talking. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. We get that. We get the the bread of life. Because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, we have full access to this bread. This bread that, that when we eat, we never go hungry again. This source that when we come to it, we never thirst again. And if we have access to that, that kind of of bread, why wouldn't we share it? Actually, as Christians, as believers, we're called to share it. Because let's go back to that, that story of manna in Exodus 16. So you remember that it didn't matter how much you gathered, you ended up with an omer, right? And we can read that and think there was a real, like, crazy supernatural thing happening here, that people came with too much and God went zap and then they had their omer, or people came with too little and God went zap and they had their omer. And that's one way to read it. But another way to read it is to consider this. Everyone in the camp had to go out and gather the manna. And that meant that the young and the old, the the able-bodied and the sickly, they all went out to gather this bread. And some of those individuals would have been able to gather a lot more than the others. And so maybe the supernatural element here, the miracle, isn't this zapping, but is a community. That actually, if I gathered much and you gathered little, I would freely give it to you. I would share it with you. That they would freely give what they had so freely been given. We have been given this bread of life, this living daily bread. So freely given to us. Jesus so freely gave himself to us. And so we then get to freely give everything he's given us to, everything we have access to, we now get to give it out. We, we get to share it. 
And that might be finances, that might be grace or forgiveness, that might be our giftings or our time or attention or anything, anything that the Lord has given you up, you can, you can freely give it now. And I know this sometimes makes us uncomfortable. And we don't always like this. And it can be really hard and really challenging to freely give or, or to live life in such a generous way. That's what we're called to. And oftentimes, the reason why we don't step into this, the reason why we want to hoard what God has given us, is because we actually are believing in a scarcity mindset or a poverty mindset. This, this idea that there isn't enough to go around. And that's a bunch of baloney. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Jesus. There's no lack. There's always enough. With Jesus, there is always enough in this kingdom. Jesus. And I'm not talking about like, uh, like a prosperity gospel. You know, I think Jesus wants us all to be billionaires. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I'm talking about a very real thing, a very real truth that Jesus is a generous God, that he's a good king, that we have access to the fullness of all this living bread is. Jesus. Jesus. And it's actually, oh, Jesus. If we, believing that there's enough, catching this truth, getting rid of that poverty mindset, it's the only way we can wholeheartedly and honestly pray this, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread, because I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'll trust you for tomorrow when tomorrow comes. I can trust you for today and what you have for me today. That we can honestly pray, give us this day our daily bread, because actually it's not about me. It's about this bread of life that I have access to and that I get to share with everyone. And I think, I think we really need to press into this. Jesus. Because I think a lot of us, maybe we, we don't even recognize it, or you're just starting to recognize it. Maybe Holy Spirit's actually convicting some things even now. But this scarcity mindset, this poverty mindset that there is not enough is not of Jesus. It's not of the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of fear. And you aren't a child of fear. Jesus. Jesus. There is enough in the kingdom of God to go around. There's enough anointing. There's enough, enough blessing. How many times does this happen where we see someone else get blessed 
And we immediately go, where's my blessing? And we get jealous or we get bitter or we get angry or annoyed at God because they got what I wanted. They got the promotion or the gift or whatever that I wanted. When you see someone in your life getting blessed, you should be praising Jesus because what he's actually doing is he's showing you that he's a blesser. He's showing you that he's a provider. He's showing you what he can do and what he's like. Jesus. Jesus. Hmm. And the root of this poverty mindset is a lie that God isn't good. Jesus. That he isn't good to you, that he's not gonna take care of you. Jesus. It's scary to trust God. It's scary to trust this God we can't see with our whole lives to trust that he's gonna see our need, whether physical or spiritual, and respond to it. But he is, because he's a good God. Jesus.